Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched My Girl. In My Girl, Veda Sultanfuss, played by Anna Shlumsky, lives with her dad Harry, played by Dan Aykroyd, in a funeral home. Harry is consumed with his work, and Veda starts to feel more ignored when he starts spending time with his new hire. She has lots of questions about life and death, but doesn't know where to turn for help. Screenplay by Loris Elowaini, directed by Howard Zeef, and released on November 27, 1991. Have you seen My Girl before? Yes. Oh, yeah, I knew the answer was um, yes. Lots of times, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a very first time for me. I, I watched this and the sequel a lot. Is the sequel any good? No. Okay. <laughs> it was just on a lot. Yeah, you saying watched it a lot made me think, wait, because I, I can't imagine the sequel coming close it to was... capturing what this movie is trying to capture. It's The sequel is just her trying to find out more about her mom. Like, she gets assigned some some project for school, and, like, who are your heroes or something, and she wants to do a whole thing about her mom, so she, like, travels to L.A. to, because I guess that's where her mom was from, to find out more about her mom. That, that's about it. Okay. But, I mean, it's not as great as the first... I just remember watching a lot because i think both movies were always on hbo okay yeah i mean it makes sense it, this is this is one that a, a lot of people i know saw like it, it people spoiled the ending of this one very very early on well with the ending, bees yeah with the bees it's not much of a spoiler? <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, I mean, know. it happens like two-thirds of the way in at least. So, I mean, from that perspective, it's not something that you go into the movie knowing is going to happen. It's supposed to be a surprise. So, but yeah, I mean... Kind of like with Marley and Me, when people were putting... Do you remember, uh, like... Um... I never saw that one either. Oh. Well, but I know it's about the dog like dies. the dog. Yeah, like that's the entire point. It's of the about book. yeah, but when the movie came out, there you know they had so many um, billboards like across I don't even know what cities, but people would defame the billboards putting the dog dies at the end on them. I've okay. seen that, uh, so it's okay. kind of like that. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, if I, I don't know. It's it's one of these things where I think people were. This is after Home Alone, right? And Macaulay Culkin plays... What's what's the character's name? Thomas J. Thomas J. I knew it had a J in there. And I think, I think part of it is honestly... 
here's this big name kid actor and look he dies in this movie and like, and no like one wants some, to see like their favorite kid die in a or movie. that they're happy you know sort of like new kid syndrome right where like a lot of people love new kids on the block but then there's a whole another group who have just like a huge disdain for it because they're so popular and all the girls like it and stuff like that so you know mm. so, oh so you think like little girls that had crushes on no i'm saying it's probably oh. like more like the boys who are happy that like this, this oh. super popular kid is dying in a movie yeah oh i, I, I think i don't know it's hard to it's hard to wrap your head around the mentality of a child, which is really what this movie is kind of about. Mm-hmm. As a child watching it, I mean, I wasn't. I mean, I loved Home Malone, but I wasn't. I I did. I do cry. The, you're not rooting for the death of a character. No, I'm not rooting for it. But it. I think. But I think yeah, there is a I'm sad he's dying. But I'm not gonna. He's not dead in real life. Yeah, no, no but I, I know, but I'm, I, again, I'm I, talking like a 10-year-old mentality, right? So, like, I think there is probably a sub-segment who is happy that this character died because of who was playing him. Oh, like, people were just sick of Macaulay Culkin at that point? Like, probably. some people were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some people were like, no, not my beloved Macaulay. Yeah, but yeah. even though saturation versus... Um, yeah, even though in, like, two years from now, in 93, they make The Good Son, and he is the bad kid in The Good Son. Yeah, I saw parts of that as a kid. And so, I mean, I think people would probably be more angry with that. Like, I can't see my Macaulay being an evil kid. Like, I, I mean, maybe that's what the reviews were. I don't know, because I was like... 12 or 13 i don't know i mean I, I think it was kind of like interesting that he went that way um i think maybe i think it's he's you know just a, a way to sort of parents. get away from the goody two shoes ish but he wasn't even really goody two shoes in any of his movies really so um he got an mtv movie award nomination for best villain for good son by the way i mean yeah i that's a good movie with him in it there are some a couple disturbing scenes that i saw in that one Disturbing for the time. I, well, I'm sure yeah, it's probably pretty I mean, now, but... When when my brother and I would watch it, we were like, okay, there's a thing. We're going into the good... <laughs> a whole other movie. The good son. But the, the part <laughs> in the good song... movie rewind. Yeah. Also. The part in the good son that we both thought was hilarious, but it's also, like, scary, was when he played Highwayman. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like, the key thing. Yeah. <laughs> And like we would just joke. We always joke saying, "Let's play Highway Man," even though we would never do that. I'm still afraid of that happening in real life. Of like somebody like throwing something over the yeah, the and and, like, freaking yeah, car. freaking out over that. Yeah, it, again, it's it's hard to get the mentality of a child, and that's sort of what this movie is about. And I know in my summary didn't really cover that. I didn't really even talk about Thomas J. She does like Veda does try to talk to Thomas J. about some of her problems, but I don't think. At that age, you don't know how to talk about some of these problems. Right. It's... And even though, like, Veda is another one of these characters who's very adult-minded, you know, beyond her years and intelligence and vocabulary and all this kind of stuff, that you, you know what I mean? Um, she She's sort of, like, in that same vein as uh, All I Want for Christmas and whatever. I think she's older, though. Yeah, but, like but I mean, at the same time, like, she's still... A couple still... years older. She's still definitely presenting herself more as an adult than. Because I think she has to because she is the only child. And, you know, her father is not exactly raising her. It's the grandma 
but we don't see... But the see... grandma can't raise her because she has Alzheimer's. Well, yeah, it seems as if the grandma recently started to have Alzheimer's, and now she's just like, who do I turn to? I think that's part of it. I, I think there's a little bit of backstory that's missing from this that would help some of the context. Yeah. Um, well, okay, why didn't you watch this growing up? Like, what was the reason? I don't know. I mean, again, I think it's probably just because it wasn't a comedy. Oh. That's that's really what we focused on was comedy stuff. We didn't do tons and tons of drama. And I'm sure, like, the idea of... If my parents even got wind that there was, like, a kid oh, dying... Oh, th- there's a death of a yeah, child, then, then they're like, okay, we don't... Yeah, like, why even... Show this? Yeah, like, okay. it could be disturbing or whatever. And I was always a paranoid kid. So, okay, so you probably be like, I'm gonna die because bees, or you'd be afraid I, of bees I, I, if I would, you watch this. Yeah, like what? It, it's not unreasonable to think that I would have become like more of a hypochondriac, like, like what she like, was. What, yeah, like what Veda was. <laughs> I mean, I don't you would think just they look had up that, like, words mentality. in a dictionary and be like, I have this now. Like even when she finds out, like in the beginning, when her father is embalming an older man and it's his high school teacher and she looks there's like a chart on the wall of like cause of death and it says you know prostate so then she she doesn't know what prostate is but she walks around saying my prostate hurts yeah yeah like that would be (laughs) I, i don't know if it would have been or not but i i again like we wanted the lightheartedness like movies are supposed to be fun at that age so I think that's that's the main thing. It's like, you know, why introduce these high dramas to kids? And this isn't really a high drama. It's really just like one step above melodrama. Um, but yeah, movies were lighthearted entertainment for us. So okay. I think that's the main thing. Um, I don't know. It, it's... This is an interesting movie to watch for the very first time because I knew that Thomas J was going to die from bees, <laughs> right? Like, because that's, again, like, become, like, a running... You're, you're just, like, when It's almost like a running bee? joke oh. in, in some, like, you know... I don't know, like, I know it's, like, an MST3K punchline and things like that, and... You you're know. just, like, when is the bees part gonna come? Yeah, like, I, I knew it was going to happen, and so, like, when the beehive... Ha- and so, like, because I knew he was going to die, I was, like, looking for the foreshadowing things. There's a lot of dialogue in here that foreshadows that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Um... And so, even if I knew it wasn't going to happen, you could kind of tell it was going to, just because of all the the information that the movie presents to you. I wasn't prepared about how emotional that scene would still be <laughs> after knowing what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, going, like, as a... Ch- I think they did a good job. I mean, they're, they're not going to show him dying, yeah, it's kind of cheesy. Which, the actual death scene is really cheesy, where it's basically just a slow motion shot of his glasses falling to the ground with bees swirling swarming, around them. And they're not going to see him fall to the ground. It's just his glasses. But it's it's weird that, like, I don't know. Like, you don't really get to... You kind of get to know Thomas J, and you kind of don't, right? Like, it's... You kind of get to know every character, but you kind of don't. Um, what you know about Thomas J is that he's afraid of everything. He's allergic to everything. 
and he doesn't want to do anything, but Veda kind of helps break him out of his shell here and there. And he has like the secret crush on Veda that she doesn't fully reciprocate. They practice their first kiss with each other. And then like as soon as that happens, like that sort of like gives him the courage to go back and look for this mood ring that she had lost in the in the woods um, near the beehive. And that's sort of what prompted everything from happening. This is, um, there's a lot of sappiness that happens in this movie, like, you know, returning the mood ring to Veda and stuff like that. But it's just done right yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know I, I guess I was expecting what you thought it was going to be cheesy yeah I thought like it's again not. Because, because like I said like the, everything I know about my girl in the endings is that it was just like purely I don't know like it became like joke fodder right I don't know maybe you're, you're we're not watching the same stuff, but I mean... I, I mean, I grew up watching this, so, I mean, as someone... Like, it became who, a punchline that, you know, that he was going to die dies bees. from bees. Yeah, I mean, I, what, the first time I watched that movie, I wasn't spoiled with the bee death. Yeah. I didn't watch this in a movie theater, but I probably watched it when it first, like, was available on VHS or something. And I didn't know about the bee death, so, yeah, I was like... Even watching it, like, a couple days ago, I'm still sad, and it's not traumatizing, but imagine, like, I don't know, being at that age, and you lose your best friend to, like, this type of death. I I would be devastated. Not only best friend, but really only friend. Kinda, yeah. I mean, the only one that kind of just, like, tolerates her, I guess, her weirdness, even, or quirkiness, or whatever. Well, also, yeah, like, an an adultness, where she feels like she's more grown up than she is, and presents herself that way. And so that's, yeah, she she's she's standoffish to other girls because of that type of, I don't know, like, whatever. Like, like she's quasi-tomboy, but not really. And, I don't know, she just has, like, a near disdain for other people her age except for thomas J because he's an intellectual like that's the one of the things that she says she's like, like a, she only surrounds herself with people who are intellectually stimulating intellectually. yeah which i mean i get it she's probably like these girls all they talk about are probably crushes on boys and i don't want to talk about that i right. want to talk about like real life shit yeah not <laughs> what i mean little I guess maybe typical little 11-year-old girls want to talk about. Yeah. Um, and so to lose that, like, the only connection that she had, I think that's what was so emotional about it. It's not so much about his death, it's about her reaction to it. And how oh. it just becomes, like, her... her breaking point. Well, because she thinks she killed her mom... Like, she, gr- she is growing up thinking that she has, like, killed her mom. Yeah. And then she's dealing with that death. She's, like, obsessed with death and dying because even when she's, you know, at the dinner table, she'll be laying on the floor pretending she's dead. Or, or she, you know, she goes to the doctor, like, every day with some new illness where she's constantly thinking that she's dying. Yeah, it's, um... And she's just got this, like, anxiety in her head that she's worried 
that she killed her mom. And she, she probably thinks she's like a horrible person because she killed her mom. So she's probably like, well, I want to die and be with my mom or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that could be. I don't, I don't know. Um, this even when like Thomas J dies, when, so okay, I guess we'll go back and forth. She runs to the doctor again after his funeral, and she's like hyperventilating this time, and she's like the bee stings, the bee stings. They're coming. Like, why is this? A, as if like they should have taken her instead. It's. Yeah, it's like a combination. I think you're right. But I also think it's what we saw with other stuff where, you know, she goes to the doctor to say, hey, my prostate hurts. Or, yeah, and you know, like, like, can, mean, you, can you of... see the chicken bone in my throat? Right. Um, it, it's there. It's clearly there. Like, why, why can't you see the chicken bone in my throat? And what she's doing is every time someone dies, she looks at the cause of death. Yeah, and attributes so someone it to her. died so, with a chicken bone in their mouth and she thinks she has it. Yeah, she thinks she has it, too. And it, and it kind of, like, all results from, like, her mom, and she thinks that she killed her mom for that reason, too. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense from that perspective that he's that she's going to the doctor again to complain about the bee stings because she attributes every single death or, or just tries to connect with these dead people on that level. Yeah. It, but try to understand this is them the through, 70s, through the way that they died. But, like, now, if a child did that, they would be like, okay, we need to bring your little girl in to talk to, like, a mental health professional or something like that. Which probably would have helped quite a bit. But, I mean, this is the 70s. Who's gonna take... I mean, in this time, people would be like, oh, you're taking your little girl to a shrink, and that means... Like, when you go to, like, a psychologist during that time... They automatically think that you're like quote crazy, but she's not. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's she it's just, just needs to understand that about death, like the reasons. And then her father doesn't really. He, I mean, he does ignore her. He's just like, yeah, whatever. You even see in the beginning when he's working, you know, on his teacher and his um, coworker. I forgot his Arthur. name. Arthur. Arthur. Okay. Like, she's just, and plus, she's going down the stairs. She never wants to look at what they're doing, because she knows it, but she doesn't want to see it. Yeah, she's petrified by the whole notion. So she just kind of talks behind a wall, and um, she hears Arthur, and then she's like, Arthur, she's singing. She's just being like a typical little kid, and Arthur is the only, like, one of the few adults that, like, humors her and like sings along with her and like helps her like her father doesn't her father's just like leave me alone or you're loud or yeah we're you're in the right way yeah. i wish there was more arthur in this movie yeah. i think it needed a little bit more of that um, he is in the second movie which is I, a lot of the people in the first movie were in the second one okay but i think like that's basically the only scene that arthur is in well, and from there, it's Shelly. He's in, like, another scene where she's playing basketball, and he's, like, teaching her how to play a little bit. Yeah, and just, like, dribble with your head up, like, as, uh, right before the ball goes down the stairs. But Arthur's already gone and can't help her with that. So, um, it's it's way too little, and all of it falls on to Shelly, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, to play that role, in a sense. Um, the... 
what I what, one of the things I like about this movie is that all the characters seem real and relatable. They're not like no one's an antagonist here. You know, like even the dad. You know, Harry isn't. He just doesn't know how to raise he a does, child. Yeah. He's on his own. Yes, he ignores her. Yes, you he's know not that's, that's a not bad great, dad, but, he's, but he's, he just doesn't. Yeah, know he's what not to a do. bad dad, and he's not a mean dad, right? Yeah. Like even you know the, the the meanest he really gets, I think, is when um, Shelley, who had just met him like a couple days ago, is starting to talk to him about you know things that she had noticed in Veda, and he's like, "Don't tell me how to raise my daughter." Mm. And like that's about the meanest he gets. Well, well when, I guess when he gets run into by a shopping cart, he yells, but. He just got hit by a shopping cart. <laughs> well, and when uh, there's an, a funeral happening in the house, yeah, and she sees her dad and Jimmy Lee Curtis like flirting in the hallway, she gets kind of mad. She leaves her grandma alone, and he kind of and the grandma, you know, gets up and you know goes into that funeral that's happening and starts singing, and then he like blames Veda. Yeah. Like, why'd you leave her alone? That was the meanest he was. That was her. the meanest, and really he should be mad like at Like, shaking her. Right. Cause, yeah, he should, I mean, why because, is it like, her responsibility to watch her own grandma? Because realistically, she was just going to the bathroom. Right. And she did lock the, you know, or close the door behind her grandma. Um, but. But she secretly wanted her grandma to do that, because she's mad about her dad with another woman. Because he's never seen her. She's never seen him with a woman before. Yeah. But, yeah, I do like that there's this realness to the characters. I think, you know, even there's an earlier scene when I think, I don't know if Shelly's there or not, but you have, it must be, because Veda's, like, laying down at the table, and Gramu is just singing her heart out, and then Harry and, and his brother, Phil, are, are at the table just kind of like, trying to pass food to each other and just kind of ignoring everything that's yeah, happening around them. Yeah, it's normal for them. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I like that little scene there where, you, you know, you just show that people, yeah, some people have quirks and they just learn how to live with it and they, you know, and it's just represented pretty well there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's no, like, bad guy here, which is interesting. The only I, quote bad guy was the ex-husband of Shelley. But even he wasn't that bad. I really like that character, though. Danny? <laughs> yeah. Da- he's, like, one of my favorite characters in the really? movie. <laughs> just because I don't know. the way he talks or, like, his whole vibe? Yeah, the way he talks and the way he presents himself. Like, he again, he wasn't, like, super mean. He's like, hey, I this this RV that Shelley's been living in, this is actually mine. And I and, want it back. Yeah, and I want <laughs> it back. And he's like, he's not like confrontational to Harry in any way necessarily. He's well, like, he's yeah, like, just give why me don't my you? Thing. Yeah. Well, he's like, go back and cook or whatever. Yeah. Like this is this is my this is this family is business. You're not my family. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like he just, he wasn't like confrontational or willing to put up a fight. Harry fought. Right. Like out of nowhere. Um, but well, yeah. I don't know. Just like some of the dialogue and like the way he reacts to certain things. Just I, I thought it was a good character. Um, but yeah, even that, I don't know. And then you have like the teacher character, Mr. Bixler. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that, you know, so it's summer vacation. Mr. Bixler is 
is Veda and Thomas J's teacher, but over the summer he teaches a creative writing class. Uh, unbeknownst to Veda, it's full of adults and it's not a kid's class, but she learns about it, steals money from Shelley to, to go into that. Yeah, because she has a crush on him. She has a huge crush on him. And once once he's in there, or once she's in there, he yeah, treats he, her like an adult. Yeah. Which is which, awesome. Yeah. I mean, he, even the way he talks to the kids, he's like, what's... I mean, he's not... He's just like, hey, what's up, kids? And, you know, she's, like, sucking up to him saying, oh, I read every book on the whatever read it list. Yeah. And now I'm reading War and Peace for fun. Right. And he's like, well, you should be kids. It's, you know, summer. Go play. That's what kids do. Like, he's, you know, humoring them, too. Just whatever. Yeah. And But, yeah, he's not going to be... He's not a mean guy where it's like, well, this is for adults and you're not an adult, so you can't come in. Yeah. He's just like, oh, well, you paid the money and you're interested. Sit down. And but all the other adults are like, yeah, right on, kid. Learn with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's it's cool that it's an accepting environment. And I think, yeah. you know, if if I were an adult in that situation, you know, in that class as well. Like an 11-year-old walks in? I, would be, you be like, oh. I'd be or, confused, but, you know. Or would you be like, oh, okay. I, I would hope I would also be encouraging in that way. But it's like, they probably wouldn't do this now, because this is just, like, during the time with, like, latchkey kids. Like, you're coming and going. Like, no, I don't think any parent now is going to let their child take an adult class. Well, without some Harry sort didn't of let. Supervision. Harry well, didn't I'm just let saying now. <laughs> so... I'm just saying now, like back then, like, you know, they were just out all day long and yeah. came back. Even when she, I mean, quote, you... ran away. Yeah. It, like, no one knew that she was really gone. And she, like, slams the door and she's like, hello? And then, you know, people are like, her dad and her grandma are just watching TV, kind of falling asleep to the TV. And she's just like, oh, whatever. Like, no one cares really, yeah, really where it, it was. It's, it's tough to know. In, in certain times, if you're just out playing for a long time and just, you know, got wrapped up in things or what. Yeah. Um, like, they're not worried. But I, I don't think that the class but I thing... I think she in, wants that? I don't know. Yeah, she definitely wanted it in that moment. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I think the, the whole concept, like, Bixler, you know, she... She reads a poem about how much she loves ice cream. Yeah, and he's not, like, making fun of her. He's like, yeah, you did a good job. You rhymed. But it doesn't always have to rhyme, but, you know, like, He's tell like me incur- what's in your soul. Yeah. <laughs> like, he goes to that level of, it's like, you know, this like, is, what's let's this... go to the next level here. Like, yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah cool. he's being a good teacher. Yeah. And I think kids need that a lot more than people think that they do. Um, but, and then even the adults are like, yeah, man, ice cream is cool. I like ice cream. I mean, they're all, like, encouraging her. It's not, like, mm-hmm. scoffing, like, oh, you like ice cream, Psh, whatever. Right. Yeah, they're encouraging as well. Um, but I think it's important to... This movie... I don't know. I think it gets bogged down a little bit because at the very beginning of the movie, it really tries very hard to be funny. Um, there's like a lot of like minor jokes in there and it's just try to like boost up the lightheartedness of, of things. And I think it, it 
it doesn't really get going until Thomas J passes. For me. Oh. I, I you know, like it's it's fine up until that point, and then it like gets a lot more compelling. It gets a lot more intriguing afterwards because it finally deals with a lot of these issues that they're just sort of alluding to in the first like two thirds of the movie. But that's like the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. But those last 15, 20 minutes carry a lot of the burden and a lot of the weight and it, it, it and it helps to overcome some of the issues in the first part. A lot of it's just set up. You know, you have to understand Thomas J enough and their relationship to really understand the full impact of what happens to him uh, and, and to Veda as a result. But there's like way too much, I don't know, the, the, any attempts at humor are really not that great. You know, it's just whatever, throwaway jokes. Um, and some of it's like repetitious where she keeps going back to the doctor and saying how she has these things. Um, yeah, and she's, you know, he's humoring her, like, oh, do you really think you have a chance? I don't know. It's like, I don't, like, I would feel bad for this doctor. And then I'm like, I'm thinking, like, does this doctor see no one else besides her? And then, but then I'm busy. also thinking, like, don't you get charged every time you go to the doctor? Like, is he charging these people? But He, he um, probably has an arrangement with the dead at some point. Yeah. Um, but that was going on in my mind. But yeah, yeah. Some of the jokes. She's like, "Are your degrees up there even real? Because you're not finding out, you know, what yeah, I'm finding." Fine. But whatever. Yeah. Um. I mean, most of the situations are funny, but I mean, I just like how Shelley is just really nice to her and. She really likes... She's nice to Veda, even though Veda was starting to become, like, mean to her. Yeah, like, Shelley... she's just still being nice, no matter what. Yeah, I think that's something that's... Some... Which is great for an adult to do. <laughs> yeah. I think that's missing from this movie a little bit, is, is why exactly... Like, I kind of get it, but I wish it would have been spelled out a little bit more. Like, Shelly came into this whole situation because she's looking for a job. Um, Harry posted an ad for, you know, someone to do makeup on the bodies. And so Shelly, who is an aspiring makeup artist for Hollywood, is using this as, like, sort of a pit stop on her way, most likely. Mm -hmm. um, and then it morphs into something more. So Shelly, yeah, has a really good rapport with the kids, gets along well with everybody, and so it, it was a little weird that Veda was so antagonistic towards Shelley once she started dating Harry. Because well, she, like, okay. I mean, like, we know that the mom is dead, but we don't really know. And we know that Harry has never dated anybody mm -hmm. since the passing. His like, brother we, even says, like, you haven't. When he first goes on that date, he's like, I haven't been on a date in 20 years. Like, I don't know yeah. what to do. Yeah. And so, like, but we don't really, that's the part of Veda where we don't really get insight to, like, is she worried about having a mother figure? Is she, or is she just, She's... or is she just worried that my dad doesn't give me any attention at all right now, 
And, and now all his attention less. is now going to her. Yeah, when... and so now I'm going to get even less. Yes. Like, so... I think she's jealous and also, like, as a little girl processing this, I've never seen my dad with a woman, and now I see him paying attention to a woman that's not my mom. Right. That's, like, she would rather him never be with anyone ever again because he's sad about his mother dying, or her mother dying. But just seeing your father with someone else that's not your mom, you're like, who the fuck is that? Sure. And why is that, like, why is he paying more attention to her and instead of me? And that's, like, the rage inside of her. I just wish the movie showed that differently, maybe. Well, I mean, she... When she was in the bumper cars, I don't know. That's, like, her... Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Like, that's the action, but, again, the reasoning part, I think, what? wasn't explained. Like, showing, like, yeah, this like, rage inside of her? No, no, like, why, like, I want to know for sure what the reason behind the rage was. Like, was it simply jealousy? Was it that she felt... Probably, like, yeah. But, yeah, I don't want to probably. I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, I'm, this is like, my own as someone thing. who was, like, that age, I mean, going through that age, you're, like, questioning everything, and you're, like... You've grown up without a mom, and then this, she's like, this woman is all of a sudden coming into my home, like, quote, stealing my dad and, like, wanting to be my mom. I'm I'm not into it. Even though she's nice. Like, Shelly is nice. Like, some women will not be nice. So, but it's just like, Shelly is just killing her with kindness, I guess. Just constantly just being kind. Which I'm, I like... A lot. Like, Shelly never, like, reacts to her anger. Like, saying, like, hey, what's your problem with me? Right. Like, confronting it. Yeah, never does. She's just like, okay, whatever. She's mad at me. I'm just going to continue to be, like, a nice person to Mm -hmm. her. And then Veda just... Even she had to have, like, her uncle explain to her, you know, I've never seen your dad this happy before. Except when he was with your mother, and then, you know, Shelly really makes him happy, and it's good to see him happy. And she kind of, like, was like, oh, okay. Starts to come around. Like, starting to, but not 100%. Because I think the grocery store thing happens after that. Yeah, but then, no, the grocery store thing is before that, because he does that. They're grocery shopping for for the barbecue. They're preparing for the barbecue, and then during the barbecue, or after that whole thing with her ex-husband, that's when, and they're watching fireworks, he tells her that. And then, I think when they go to the carnival, because then she's kind of like, oh, okay, but then when they go to the carnival, she sees the ring, and then that's what really fucking triggers her. Yeah, and that's when she, like, runs away afterwards. Yeah. Um... Yeah, this movie does a good job of, of showing how kids hide their emotions partly because they feel like they need to be strong and partly because they don't know how to communicate them. Yeah. So, like, like that, that's a great scene to, to explain that is, you know, you have, and boy, was this a quick relationship because it's still the same summer break. Um, they're going to get married at the end of su- this at the is, end of summer. They're going to get married. That's what bothered me. I was like, okay, they go on one to two dates and then they automatically get engaged. 
But the only, that's... After probably a couple weeks of working together. Right. But then wouldn't they also want to tell Veda right away, not keep it a secret? Like, her finding out that way was a shitty way to find out. He could have, the dad could have been like, hey, I really have, like, he could have, like, they should have had a separate conversation. Yeah, but I mean, I... But I know that whole scene wouldn't happen with the bumper cars. One, I think the whole point is that Harry doesn't know how to talk to his daughter in any way. Yeah, I mean, Shelley confronts him about it a couple um, times, like speak to her or like, and two i'm sure they probably it. wanted to keep it secret and maybe they were planning on telling her at the end of this really fun carnival night like kind of like um, her spirits or something like that um but you know shelly knows that veda is like anti her at this point and so yeah, I'm yeah sure they so had a she's conversation trying to, to be say, friendly let's, let's hold off and wait for the right time um but i think that that scene again sort of goes to that point pretty well because she had just won a goldfish at this carnival game, happens to notice the ring, and when they say that they're going to get married, she drops the fish mm. uh, out of shock. And then afterwards, she focuses solely on the fish and the well-being of the fish rather than anything else that the parents are telling her. Yeah, when something bad or triggering... She didn't do it at this point, but when something bad or triggering happens she like plugs in her ears and she starts singing yeah when she's really traumatized and like wants to hide from the world yeah or, she like, just super super scared because she did that a couple of times like one she like when her basketball went down into the basement and she got accidentally like locked in because shelly just closed the door and it locked a little yeah or so was now jammed. she's trapped with death yeah she's and she that's freaking she's freaking out and that's and then the second time was after Thomas J and she when, runs to the, t- yeah, the when teacher. They find out about Thomas when she finds out about Thomas J and runs away. But um, yeah. but yeah, so yeah, here here she's just like ignoring the whole conversation and assuming like, Yeah, I think this fish is gonna be okay. it'll be alright. Like, oh they, the bag didn't break and you know. Yeah. And so I think that's a really good illustration of how kids don't they know don't how to know process how to, their feelings. They don't yeah. know how to communicate them. They're afraid to because they feel like they need to be stronger. I definitely remember that age where, you know, kids share, you know, they carry around so much shit. Yeah. That you just never know about because they don't know to ask the questions um, or they're afraid to ask the questions. And as a parent or guardian, you will never, ever guess to ask what they're really thinking. You know, like like the situation yeah, where you can't really read. You can't read their minds, mind. <laughs> and and they think that the answer to the question that they have means the world, right? And they have a specific answer already ingrained in their mind, like I killed my mom, mm. right? So like when when Veda finally gets the courage to say that, like oh I killed Thomas J, and I killed my mom, mm. <laughs> and so like. That's when Harry is like able to finally like tell her like no like this is this is like this is the actual thing. Mm-hmm. But she, Harry would never have a reason to think that that's what's in Veda's mind. Right. But I mean that's that's the mind of a kid. Yeah, and they do a good job with that. 
Yeah, there's a lot of sappy stuff, like I said. That, that I mean, a lot of the dialogue that, that are in these scenes um, or afterwards, boy, it could have been cheesy as all hell, but it just wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people should be winning awards for all, <laughs> all the acting in here. Um, yeah, so then another thing was when she, I mean, when she gets her period... Mm-hmm. Which, this is the second movie talking about periods. They did a good job with this, too, because it's... It, and I thought it was kind of funny, too. It's very I mean, subtle, though. Yeah, It's I more mean, subtle than other movies. It's, I think, maybe because of the rating. They're not going to be, like, going into it. I mean, yeah, when have... you're a little kid, you're probably like, what the hell's going on? But when you're mm-hmm. older, you're like, okay, she got her period. Yeah. It, but... It's just like she's running, like she wakes up or something and she's running around the house for her dad and her dad's not around. Shelly's like, what's going on? She's like, I need my dad. Because at this point, she already knows about the engagement and she's like, whatever, Shelly. But, you know, Shelly's like, well, let me help you. What's going on? And she's like, I'm hemorrhaging. She's like, okay, let me step. Like, it was good to have Shelly tell her about having a period than like going to her because her dad would probably be like devastated like i don't know how to tell yeah my own daughter about these things so shelly did a good job and then she explains things but we don't see the explanation it's just veda's response to it like that's like her grossed out response is like ew that's what happens Mm -hmm. and she's like well she's like it should be outlawed or something like that <laughs> and that's yeah, when, they had, like, like the full on sex talk it sounds yeah, like yeah. yeah 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 off camera yeah and then you know Thomas J comes <laughs> I mean I think this is a funny scene but Thomas J is like can you come out and she's like no <laughs> like don't come back for five to seven days and yeah. then like <laughs> yeah. I mean that's there hilarious some, there to are me. some funny spots I, I think the funniest part of the movie though is the bingo scene oh well yeah <laughs> when, they, <laughs> when they leave the, like even just the bingo caller is like N38, under the N. Well, because there's like 90-year-olds playing bingo. Yeah, and then you have like a couple of them like fighting at a certain point too. It's like, because Veda like is trying to distract from the kiss by yelling bingo. Yeah. And then like the old people get really mad. It's like, somebody yell bingo. No, it's from outside. And they're like, how can someone from outside win bingo? Right. (laughs) And they're like, no, someone didn't win bingo. And they're they like, just yell. Like fist fight. And yeah, like, oh, that's, that's the funniest part. To well, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see that <laughs> happening. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Long story short, I'm surprised at how how good this movie was, <laughs> and it was kind of like very much bolstered by all of the conversations and all the emotionality that came about in like the last 15, 20 minutes. I wasn't really hooked until then, and then like, okay, I get it. I, you know, it, it's, it's leading. It's a long build up, but it got there, uh, and it and it did everything, pretty well along the way. That's my impression of it. Um, anything else we want to mention here? Uh, I mean, at the very end, when she's kind of come to terms with Thomas J's death. I mean, when she finds out, that's, like, devastating. I mean, I, I'm i oh, still, yeah. like, thinking about it still wants to make me cry. I mean, that's devastating. And, um, like, her 
finding him in the casket and just saying where are his glasses you can't like her like everyone's like oh my god and then she runs to her teacher but then she also runs away and then everyone's looking for her and she just walks in and they're all but then they show like maybe a couple weeks later because it's like at the end of summer where she's starting to feel okay she's out with her dad and that's when Thomas J's mom gives her the mood ring and that was the mood ring she lost in the woods however many which had always been black up to that point. yeah it was always black and it was blue now which I think is supposed to be the color of happiness blue think i don't know it's been a long time since i've looked at a mood ring chart because i know shelly when shelly first sees the ring she said that black is happiness she said that oh black is probably happiness and i don't know and then that's when veda's like oh it's black because thomas j always puts me in a bad mood or something like that that's what it was but yeah yeah, shelly's just like oh it could be happiness but yeah i don't know the real mood colors <laughs> I don't yeah know. i don't remember either but i think blue is it's blue is something i think it's happiness well of course blue is something <laughs> <laughs> or calm i don't know but yeah up. after that 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 one neighborhood girl the yeah that one neighborhood girl i forgot her name right? i do too i know i didn't write it down I feel but like there's it's... like three three girls who are kind of making fun of her but one is not really and like feels bad and she comes back at the end and it's like hey can i be your friend basically yeah she's yeah and they become friends quickly and i mean that's good to see that she has a friend Mm -hmm. and then the she goes back because she quits that adult writing creative writing class after hearing about thomas j's death but she comes back to the last class and she just recites this really great poem and then that was like the end of that yeah pretty much yeah it ends on her her poem which was an interesting spot to end but i think a good one i I will say that like there are spots where she just adds some narration and i didn't like that yeah it's like it goes in and out yeah yeah like she does like consistent enough like fourth wall breaking but not really it's, it's not substantial enough to be warranted. At the very beginning, she talks to the camera about how she has a bunch of afflictions. Yeah, like it's a so. diary, but then it doesn't... It's not consistent. Yeah, it's just... It pops in every once in a while to just add, like, a punchline that's not that super funny. Mm. And then it happens at the end, too, I think, where, where she's, uh, like, running off Blue just means calm or serene. On oh, the, okay. Well, it's what I probably... But whatever. It's happiness. <laughs> whatever. She's at peace. How yes, about, like, yes. That's, that's the intention, I think, with that. So we can move on to cast and crew. So we got uh, Howard Ziff, or Ziff, I don't know how to pronounce that, I apologize, uh, as the director. He has a Stinker Awards win for the main event from 1979. That's a Barbara Streisand movie about a boxer. Uh, he also directed Be- Private Benjamin, Unfaithfully Yours, The Dream Team, and My Girl 2, which was his last movie. Interesting. Uh, I think he either retired or passed away. I don't remember. I didn't write it down. Um, Loris Eloaini 
is the writer again might not be pronouncing that right i apologize this again uh also the writer of the brady bunch movie and the amazing panda adventure the not a whole lot. wait the brady bunch movie is amazing <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty fun yeah i still like i can't comment quotes. on the amazing panda adventure because i never saw that oh, i've never but... seen that but the brady bunch brady bunch movie is funny but those are the the three yeah it's kind of like uh yeah, meta fourth wall breaking type of a. There's just so many things that yeah. you can quote from that movie. Uh, we got Dan Aykroyd as Harry Sultan Fuss, Oscar nominated the year before for Driving Miss Daisy, uh, Emmy winner for SNL for writing, Stinker nomination for the worst fake accent in Crossroads, Razzie oh. winner for Caddyshack Two, and also Nothing But Trouble supporting actor. And a couple more nominations for Nothing But Trouble, which we will see. So we'll talk about him more later when we're dealing with Nothing But Trouble, if we get around to that one. It's just... Uh, I remember I remember we did watch that one as a kid. I don't remember anything about because it. it's but bad. I, I, did not, I did not like that, and I did not like Dr. Detroit, which we also rented, and I hated. <laughs> anyway. I just don't... Okay, I know he directed that and he's in it. And I'm just like, why was that... Why? <laughs> why was that movie made? I, I love him on SNL. I think he was probably the best cast member on that early SNL. Um, yeah, I like him in the Blues Brothers. and Because he just does so much, like, variety of... I don't know. He's, he was like the Phil Hartman before Phil Hartman, except without the impressions. He just mm -hmm. he could do everything. And then he just... I don't know. <laughs> uh, now he's like now he's he's into like UFO like conspiracy theory type stuff and then he made that crystal skull vodka. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is Shelley Devoto, Emmy nominated for Nicholas Gift. Nicholas's gift. Golden Globe winner for anything but love, the T V series. Uh also Golden Globe win for True Lies. Nominated for Fish Called Wanda, Heidi Chronicles, Freaky Friday, and Scream Queens. MTV Movie Award nomination for Best Female Performance and Best Kiss for True Lies. Uh, she's also... The awards have not happened yet, but the nominations for this year's Spirit Independent Awards have come out, and she has been nominated for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm, okay, so she may be nominated for an Oscar, maybe? Uh, Possibly. I hope that movie gets nominated for Oscars. Well, yeah, I hope that movie <laughs> that's, that's wins. That's my favorite of the... <laughs> I, hope that's, I think that's my favorite of the year so far. There's, like, two movies that I've seen this year. Well, three, I guess. That that you are, like, that best should, picture? Yeah, best picture. Which ones are you talking about besides that, then? Triangle of Sadness and then recently RRR. <laughs> <laughs> I think RRR will probably get a best foreign film nomination. That should get, like, I don't know... There should be I something best of something for that. That movie does so much stuff that Marvel movie movies should take note of. Like watching Black Panther after watching RRR. It's just, it's just, <laughs> well, yeah, the, they're it's just like, oh my god, the like greatest is so much better fight scenes ever in any movie. <laughs> Basically, but yeah. Anyway, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is also in the 1991 movie Queen's Logic. Also, of course, one of the original screen queens with movies like Halloween and Prom Night and The Fog. Also been in things like Trading Places and Knives Out. 
Macaulay Culkin is Thomas J. Sennett, Golden Globe nomination and Young Artist winner for Home Alone, Kids' Choice nomination for Home Alone 2, Stinkers and Razzie nominations for Getting Even with Dad, Richie Rich, and Page Master, all that came out in the same year. Uh, also a Razzie nomination for Party Monster, which is odd to me. He's in the 1991 movie Only the Lonely and also was in the Black or White video for Michael Jackson this same year. Anna Shlumsky is Veda, six-time Emmy nomination for Veep, Young Artist winner for My Girl 2, also Gold Digger's Secret of Bear Mountain and Cupid, and she was nominated for A Child's Wish. So she's won a few of the Young Artist nominations, including for this movie, which we'll talk about in a second. She's also been in things like Trading Mom, uh, she's in the Rugrats reboot, Inventing Anna, and the horror movie They Them. Richard Mazur played Phil Sultanfuss, the brother who is there and basically... Yeah, we barely talked about him, but yeah, yeah like, he's good. Basically, like, Phil could have taken over Arthur's spot. They could have consolidated those two characters into one. I mean, it was good to have the brother kind of to... Yeah, but the brother could have also just been working at the funeral home. Yeah, I'm confused, like, how come he, like, it didn't seem like it was a family business, I guess. No. It was just Dan Aykroyd and him, his, and Arthur, basically. Yeah. And then Shelly, like, three people. And then Phil just kind of, like, comes in here and there. Yeah, and I thought it was a family business when I was younger because like her uncle was there but no it's not like you don't even know like he just comes and goes but he's always there for dinner yeah and he's there for key moments and whatever so again people come and go and there's some stuff that's kind of like left to the imagination Uh, anyway he's he's a stinkers nomination as well for Hanover Street and the Scavenger Hunt Emmy nominated for The Burning Bed in 1991, he's also in Going Under and The Story Lady, which I don't remember hearing about The Story Lady. Uh, he's also been in things like Encino Man, Risky Business, The Thing, and uh, the the Tim Curry version of It. Mm-hmm. Griffin Dunn is Mr. Bixler, Oscar-nominated as a director of the best short live-action movie, Duke of Groove. Golden Globe nomination for Acting for After Hours, Emmy-nominated for a Guest Spot on Frasier, Razzie nomination for Worst Director... Uh, for movie 43 that one that had like a billion different directors in it they were all nominated for the worst in 1991 he's also in the movie once around and big girls don't cry they get even he's been in things like uh, he's been in things like who's that girl american werewolf in london johnny dangerously dallas buyers club and as a director he's also done addicted to love and practical magic uh and then i also just want to quickly mention that uh one of the classmates was tom villard um He's like the hippie classmate guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've talked about him again. Uh, previously from Popcorn, go watch our episode on, on that for a lot more details on Tom Villard. Um, yeah, because he died. Much different character in oh, this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a villain. In Pop- <laughs> like, I only knew him from My Girl, so to see him as the villain in Popcorn was weird. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like the good, vibey, hippie guy. So we, we do a deep dive on his um, his life, his so. career, and his his, his uh, impact after after passing. Uh, in terms of awards for this movie, I mean it was a box office hit, twentieth of the year, budget of seventeen million, but 
grossed like 60 million. Um, Young Artist Award winner for Anna Shlumsky for most, most Promising Newcomer. It was also nominated for the Best Family Motion Picture. At the Kids' Choice Awards, it was nominated for fam- Favorite Movie. At the MTV Movie Awards, it won the Best Kiss. We've talked about several of the for nominees. MTV Movie Awards? Yep. But it I won the Best forget. Kiss. Oh, I just remember that. It was like Bugsy? It was Cape Fear, which is gross, right? Cape Fear. And Naked Gun 2 and a half. Like, the first three movies we covered were all were nominated. And then this one. And then this and one this is, the winner. is the winner. And then there's one more that we haven't covered yet, and I don't remember what it is offhand. Okay. But I know that there's a fifth one that we haven't talked about. Um, also nominated for the Best Breakthrough Performance for Anna Shlomsky, who lost to Eddie Furlong. Uh, nominated for Best On-Screen Duo, lost to Wayne's World. And it was also part of a fake nominees montage called Best Performance by Kids. Mm. So, I mean, they weren't a duo, really. They were an on-screen duo. Oh, they were best friends. It counts. All right. Get the get the young, popular actors on to the MTV Awards. It's an excuse to bring Macaulay Culkin there. Yeah. So that's it for awards. We can move on to true crime and pop culture. Yeah, so... This is like just a tiny thing, and I wanted to find out more, but the MPAA originally gave the movie a PG-13 rating, and it was probably just for a lot of mature content. Yeah, I mean, because you have like Death a young child dying. Like her getting her period, I guess, yeah. and then, um, I mean, adult themes, I guess. But it it was changed on appeal to PG, and, you know, the creators or producers won that appeal and got the PG rating. But I, I was trying to find, like, why, but I guess, you know, it's just because of that adult themes, but, you know. Yeah, I think and there I, might have been, like, one shit in there. Yeah, I mean, so. I don't, I forgot the rules about the PG ratings, like, what... Yeah, PG from... is typically like you know, you can say like, like little kid fodder, but yeah, I mean, because if you had the F word, that's like automatically like almost an R. Like you can say like one There's F what, word. Yeah, they basically say you can say one. But we've definitely watched some PG thirteens that have more than one. Well, in yeah, this podcast, we we but... di- we see PG thirteen like Doc Hollywood. Yeah, Doc Hollywood, where it's like a full nude scene. Yeah, and I think. Um... It, there's another one too, but offhand. Which it's just like the MPAA rating system is just really interesting. And then a couple of weeks ago, there was a podcast that I listened to called "You're Wrong About," and they did like a history. They had Karina Longworth on. Karina Longworth, she is the host of "You Must Remember This." You know the one she's doing all the erotic movies mm-hmm. now. Yeah, we talked about that podcast a couple times. Um, she was on as a guest, and they do a history of the MPAA ratings, which was really interesting to me because I'm like, it, it. They go all the way back to like the 19 teens to like now, like mm-hmm. when they wanted to start giving some sort of ratings to things because things were like too violent or whatever there was yeah. nudity and yeah, they I mean, didn't they didn't know how to like restrict people 
I know some of the basics of it, but I don't know all of it. I know, yeah, it, it's morphed over the years a lot, and obviously I, there's a connection to the Hayes Code as well from the 50s, where, you know, there weren't ratings, but there was a code within movies, and if it broke that, then it wasn't going to get distributed. On this day, so November 27th, 1991, was a Friday. On this day, the musical Peter Pan began in on Broadway in New York, which we sort of talked about in Hook, and that mm. starred Kathy Rigby. She was well known for being like a gymnast. So that was the beginning of that musical on Broadway. And then Pro Wrestling, another movie we spoke about, Suburban, Suburban Commando. Commando. <laughs> the Undertaker beats Hulk Hogan to become the new WWF champ. He gets his retribution after on, being... Yeah, on this day. <laughs> after being beaten in Suburban Commando. Yeah. The high Wait, did it? Well, yeah, this is November. Suburban Commando was like in the summertime, right? I think so. I know it was filmed before Undertaker was the Like Undertaker. the Undertaker, yeah. Yeah, he was just, yeah, he was just a guy <laughs> at that time. Was this the day after Thanksgiving then? November 27th, most likely. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm assuming, because, I mean, this movie is... Was this nominated for anything? Like Golden Globe? No. Not even like no. The only ones that, that Oscar I mentioned or were, Golden Globes were mm-hmm. just like child. Okay. Just the young actors, the kids' choice, and the MTV Movie Awards. That's all. All right. I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, I get it. it it's 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 not, a good movie. It's just like there's pro- there's better echelon. movies. Yeah. It's not like Fried Green Tomatoes. Exactly. Because like Fried Green Tomatoes is like a notch higher it's than later. this. Yeah. Yeah. This, I think, is, like, on the level of, like, Wildflower, where it's, like, a really good But, yeah, Wildflower is, like, an unknown, like, TV movie that was, like, really good. Yeah, Wildflower should have been in theaters. Yeah. But, yeah, this is, is like, I think on the same type of tier as that. Okay. And then, so on TV, no, wait, November 27th was the day before. (laughs) I'm sorry, it was a Wednesday. (laughs) Oh, it was a Wednesday, not a Friday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the day before Thanksgiving. So okay. yeah, it's for the Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. I'm just like, I always assume it's Fridays, but I don't know. I just went to the TV <laughs> section. I'm like, wait a second, it's a Wednesday. So on TV that I found interesting was on ABC they had a one hour special of the MTV music television's 10th anniversary so they showed MTV on ABC which definitely would never happen now because that's like a CBS Viacom Paramount thing so and like, I that's, thought, that's fascinating too yeah I just thought I mean, I figured they wanted to show that for people who didn't have cable. Most likely. So there was just, like, some sort of a connection. Like, okay, we'll show this MTV special. But this once, I don't even know. Like, maybe they only did this once ever. Yeah, because we, maybe... we didn't have MTV or cable for a long time. It and just they, wasn't offered yeah. in, our, in our town until I was, like, eight. Eight or nine years old. Which, I don't know. I grew up, what? Like, I grew up watching MTV from 
ever since I don't know, like five to whatever. Twenty five to twenty five, I guess. The only time I got to see any sort of cable TV was when I went to my cousin's house who lived in a different state and they had cable. And I yeah. thought my parents just didn't want to pay for it, but they told me later, like, no, they just it wasn't offered and we got it as soon as it was offered. Oh. Uh, so it took like eight years after like the invention of cable TV for it to come to our wow. town. So anyway, I found the entire special on YouTube and it includes commercials and it's just like heavily it's just a lot of coke commercials like it was just brought to you by coca-cola type thing yeah and then every coke commercial had some singer in it okay so like the first one that I saw had Elton John just like oh. on a piano talking about coke. I don't even know. And then there was like another one for a I forgot which beer, like Michelob maybe, and it was the Stray Cats playing guitar with like an old lady and then they drink <laughs> beer together. The commercials were fun. And then before each commercial they did like a Little anime. I, th- I feel like I've watched this because I remember some of these. Maybe they reused them. Oh, maybe. On. Yeah, that's probably it. Well, they do have like an appearance by Michael Jackson at the end where he sings Black or White and Will You Be There? And I feel like I've seen that. But maybe mm. he's just performed those songs so many times using like the same people. Like, for Will You Be There, they have, like, this woman dressed as, like, an angel coming down or something, Mm. and then at the end, she, like, wraps her arms around him, and I remember that, but I don't know if she does that, like, every time he performs that song. Yeah, it could, yeah, I mean, at least for a tour, probably. Yeah. And then, okay, so then going back, before each, um, commercial break, they would show an animation, it was, like, right around the time of liquid television so it was you know what's his face bill plimpton yeah his animation of just it'll be like madonna the madonna or something and it'll start off with like her doing like vogue or whatever and then there was another one where it was billy idol was the other one that i but it was just like a different person from the 80s that he would just show like a transformation of these singers and it starts out with like this amazing acoustic version of the song freedom by george michael where he's just in the middle and he's surrounded by all of his singers and they're just singing freedom and then you see the crowd around him and that was probably the first time i've heard that song in like a an acoustic way and it was really good (laughs) and then the second performance was Aerosmith where he had like a string quartet and whatever singing the song Dream On and they showed a commercial for the TV show Civil Wars about what's coming up next on that TV show Mm -hmm. which that was cool to see and it had like an episode with where Debbie Mazar was in and the next performance was R.E.M. singing Losing My Religion. But they had... I wanted to play it, but it's too long. 
There was like a thing that Madonna did. It wasn't her performing. It was just kind of a dear diary, but it was her doing these like multiple like vignettes. It's her, it's all black and white and she's just talking to the TV and she's sometimes like smoking a cigarette or whatever talking to MTV like as if she's in a relationship with MTV she's like dear MTV and then it goes into it's been a great 10 years or something like that and she's like the you know the 10th anniversary is for diamonds she's like thank you for the diamond and she's like I forgive you for it's kind of funny and and then I I found just like that segment so I can put that on the website and then post it separately because it's like I don't know, five minutes long. But there's some funny parts in it, and it's like people were commenting, like, this is like the beginning of her acting career or whatever. And I was like, (laughs) she was already sort of acting around this time. Yeah, she had been in Who's That Girl. Yeah, she was in Desperately Seeking Season. Probably filming League of Their Own at that time. Right. And it was just funny, and I thought it was cute. She did, and then there's like a part where she's just like making noise, like she does like farty noises or whatever, and then fa- like weird faces, and she did the too legit to quit thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me laugh. Did MC Hammer perform at this? No, there was oh. no MC Hammer performance. It was just George Michael, Aerosmith, that thing from Madonna, R.E.M., and then two songs by Michael Jackson. Okay. It's like an hour long, right? So yeah, that's yeah. Packed. With all those commercials. Yeah. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings then. Uh, where on your one to five star scale are you going to put My Girl? I'm gonna give this movie a four. I had a feeling you were gonna say that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I wonder how much is nostalgia. In, I'm going high too. Like I said, I'm, I think it's in the wildflower range. So it, that means on my zero to four star scale, it's a three out of four for me. I think there are, again, a lot of minor issues in the early parts where it just takes a long time to pick up steam. But all the things that it does well, it does incredibly well. Um, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would too. I honestly... I would probably watch this again before even considering watching the sequel the first time. It's Uh, just, it's, this one has such a good, satisfying ending that it's hard to imagine bringing myself back into those characters when I feel like it had, it had such a strong resolution that I don't want to, like, unravel that again in a sequel. mm Mm-hmm. If you out there want to watch My Girl as of this recording in December 2022, it's available on Netflix, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're continuing our family-friendly... Is this family-friendly? Family-friendly theme with uh, Beauty and the Beast. That's available on Disney+, Plus, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. We'll see you then. Bye.